Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. So today's podcast to me feels like it's something that's been a long time coming. You know, I've been really fortunate over the last 12 years to see my career and my life sort of really such great heights because I've been able to come up with crazy ideas and I really never had to worry about execution because of my guest today. I've worked with him through four different employers, and he's always been my first call whenever I changed jobs or really whenever I had a crazy idea. And together, we've gotten to meet and showcase some incredible financial advisors and executives over the past decade plus. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Matt Bleistein to Perfectly Integrated. Matt is the man behind the camera, the director, and typically the brains of the operation. But above all else, he's really a good friend. So Matt, today we get to begin where most of my podcasts end with a question from my son, CJ. Now, what most of you don't know is Matt and I did a shoot in Littleton, Colorado about a month ago, and CJ and Matt kind of formed a nice little friendship. So CJ asked, Matt, you know my dad better than anyone. So what's the most annoying thing about traveling with my dad? Well, first of all, Matt, thank you for having me here on your podcast That's the first thing I'd like to say. And to answer CJ's question, I would say the most annoying thing about traveling with you is your preternatural ability to avoid heavy lifting. (laughs) Whenever there's heavy lifting to be involved, Matt finds a conversation, finds a plane he has to catch, finds an Orioles game, and he's (laughs) So I don't think that's fair. I I, I need to defend myself briefly. Oftentimes, I do like to get to airports early. I expect you to say, oh, he likes to get places way too early, 14 minutes early, is one minute late, that kind of stuff. But you went with, I don't like to lift things, which is actually very true. Yeah. Yes. In in Tallahassee, as an example. Again, the excuses are, (laughs) there's a multitude of excuses. However, I never expected you to somehow arrange for your connecting flight to be late so you couldn't actually catch a plane. I thought that was a master stroke yeah, and an avoidance. I now can delay flights, so, so we have that going for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now that you set the stage of what this relationship mm-hmm. is like, which is brutal honesty. Um, brutal honesty. Brutal honesty is really where we go. You know, let's talk about how advisors can get creative with multimedia. It's really one of my favorite things that you do. You're really modest about your impact on every shoot we've been on, and I can't say enough you know, how you help drive that creativity. What do you think is one of the coolest projects that we got to work on together? Easy, Matt, easy. (laughs) The coolest project that we ever worked together on would have to be telling Dan Kandora's story in Boston. Wow, Uh, that is, so Dan Kandora, it was an advisor who found out he had stage four prostate cancer. We found out about it because he wrote a letter to his clients to Mm -hmm. explain to them he had gotten stage four prostate cancer. He hoped they would stick with him as an advisor. If they didn't, so be it. And then we called him and we said, now see, I always try to dial it way up and ask for things they're supposed to say no to. Mm -hmm. And Dan didn't say no. I said, can we follow you through treatment? Can we come to the hospital with you? And he said, yes. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the thrust of, of his story, aside from facing one's mortality, was taking the risk and being ethical and doing the right thing for your clients. I mean, talk about, because every, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of people talk about and, and use the term, you know, fiduciary duty. It gets thrown around quite a bit, but meeting and talking to and experiencing Dan's, Dan's story, 
just the, the sheer courage of what he did was, was amazing. And being able to tell that story was easily in my book, by far the best thing we've done, I think together. It might not have been the best thing artistically, but I think we did a pretty good job and it was the most impactful thing I think that we've done together. Dan had this modesty about himself, you know, modesty on camera. He didn't even think what he was doing was that big a deal. And it, it really helped the story resonate with me. I know that. And you had this way of just making him very comfortable on camera in what was an uncomfortable situation. Oh, just the, just the, I mean, it's, there was an element of, at least for me, here we were talking to a person who was facing mortality in a very real way. And fearlessly. And he was a lot more courageous than I would be. I mean, aside from doing what he did with his, with his clients, just, you know, he put his head down and kept going. And that, that was just, and with grace, and it was a good, it was a, a beautiful thing. It was. Now he was comfortable, even in a moment that was uncomfortable. Being comfortable on camera is hard. What's your best advice to advisors, executives about getting comfortable on camera? Well, The first thing I will reiterate what you just said, it's the hardest thing you will do. Everyone sort of is just, from a consumption standpoint, we all see talking heads on, you know, whether it's CNBC or Fox or MSNBC or CNN, and they speak in very succinct sound bites. They get to the point. There's no fat on their statements. And everyone thinks of that as the standard. Now, what most people who get interviewed like at a conference or you know as a, for a thought leadership piece what they don't understand is that those people have gone through years of doing it and also pretty extensive media training to get not just like good but like okay so the number one thing is to just realize that it's hard and you don't have to be perfect and to make a sports analogy the worst thing is when someone goes into an interview and expects that, you know, this is easy. I'm going to knock it out of the park. And they get their first question and they can't answer it properly. What they're seeing in their head, what they thought they were going to be able to do isn't coming out. And then rather than like letting that play go and moving on to the next play, they get stuck on it and they get more and more frustrated. And it's just not easy. You know, it's not easy. It's so interesting because my own media training was with Matt. (laughs) We had a show at American Banker called- And and now look at you. Look at me now, (laughs) sitting here in my attic. (laughs) We had a show called, what was it? ABTV? Was that what it was called? American Banker TV? Yeah, initially, yeah. Yeah. And and then then we moved on to Advisor TV. And with American Banker TV, I had to do a, read a teleprompter every day. Very hard. A teleprompter, read into the camera and Matt would shoot it. And I was terrible at first. And I got to be not bad by uh, about a year and a half, two years into it. But it just doing it all the time mm-hmm. gives you confidence and you start to think, hey, I can do this. And I think that's really what this is all about is practice. Yeah, it absolutely is. And then that actually is the hard part about an advisor being interviewed for even like the fifth or sixth time. I mean, how long does one go between interviews or being the subject of an interview? It's, it's not something that is part of everybody's life every day. And it's just hard. I don't envy. There's a reason why I'm behind the camera, not in front of it. <laughs> and it's not my face for radio. Now, to me, I always enjoy how you put people at ease, even from some of the early interviews and videos we did together. You know, we, after we moved from source media to another company together, we were on a shoot and an advisor was uncomfortable and you had this way of putting him at ease and it crafted perhaps one of the better videos we've done, which was you just have this ability of like kind of taking all the pressure out of these rooms sometimes. So what is the biggest mistake that folks make on camera? 
Oh, I would say the biggest mistake, although there's kind of a two part, kind of a two direction answer. If, if, for example, and this is something we ran into time and time again, it boils down to having something to say. If we're at a conference, whether it be one of the big boys, Schwab, TD, and everyone goes in and they watch the keynote address, and then they come out and they're scheduled to be interviewed with us, the first 10 advisors after that keynote address just parrot what they just heard in the keynote address. So my biggest advice would be to have something to say, whether it be, it doesn't have to be groundbreaking. It doesn't have to be Malcolm Gladwell. It doesn't have to be, you know, something that's going to just like move the industry. Don't aim for that. Just aim for being honest and trying to just have a voice that is your own. That's the most important thing. Just try to be thoughtful when answering questions. Don't do boilerplate stuff because everybody says the same thing. Mm -hmm. for the most part, in a lot of cases. And what makes a thought leader a thought leader is someone who thinks and then talks about, you know, their experience or how they perceive what it is that whatever part of the industry they're in. One of my favorite shoots we did together, we were in Montana, Billings, Montana, with a father-son advisory team. The son was in the process of taking over the practice from his dad. And they were just both very genuine, honest people who weren't afraid to tell their story. And I really loved that shoot. Yep. Great, great people. And that's the best thing about a shoot like that, working with advisors like that or managers like that, is they weren't pompous. Mm -hmm. They weren't full of themselves. They didn't think that being a financial advisor was anything more special than any other kind of service job in a way. So- it's really impressive to me, that story in Montana. Was there another advisor that we've spoken to or another executive we spoke to that really impressed you on camera? On camera? On camera with their words, podcasts. It could be anything multimedia. <sighs> on camera. Well, I'm going to answer that two ways. I promised you that with this, uh, an earlier question. I never got to the second way, but this time I'm going to do it two ways. Here's the thing about high-level you know, C-suite CEOs. What I found is the best ones to work with are the ones that have no like legitimate reason to be nice to you, but they are. In other words, there are some folks from in the C-suite that wouldn't give you the time of day that don't, that feel like you are there, you know, on the video end of it to just kind of like you are sort of taking up their time to do this. You're doing them a huge favor. And those types are, you know, they're not fun to work with. And they're also the ones who, who seem to have run into the most problems because they, again, think that they know everything. But the ones that actually are just simply nice to you because they're nice people are the ones that an instant rapport happens with at the end of the day are simply people. If you don't treat, for example, I'll just use one person as an example, Elliot, Elliot Weisbooth from Hightower, previously from Hightower when we did a, a piece for him. You know, at the time, Elliot was the talk of Wall Street, I would say. I mean, it was the talk of, of the industry. And some people in my position and your position as well at the time would have been relatively intimidated by that. And he could not have been more down to earth and easy to talk to. And we got great stuff with him because he didn't make himself out to be this great guy. He was just a super excited about what he was doing and thought that he was making a real difference and that was contagious. And he was just a great interview and a great, I mean, we got great content from him. Something that always really stands out to me about 
those kind of folks is people would come to me after interviews and be like shaking my hand and being nice and then kind of scuffle past. And I always would say to them, you should be nice to him. I'm done with this interview. He's the one who's got to take it into, Matt's the one who's got to take this into editing, make you look and sound good. So you really should be nice to the guy behind the camera. You should be nice to everyone, no matter what. I mean, let's take away that it's the right thing to do to be nice to others, but when those people have kind of the power in their hands to make you look and sound great. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, you know, the internet's a funny place for still shots. uh, (laughs) Um, Screen captures of oddly placed mouths. Or facial expressions, they do make the rounds on Twitter, I hear. Yeah, that, you've done this to me many times. There's, I... Yeah, never let me shoot you on a green screen. Yes. That's I've, my advice to anyone listening. I had some photos of me where you put captions in like, hey, stay off my lawn. Yeah. If you really want to learn about the kind of goofy faces you make, have someone behind the camera that you're like, well, if I do something ridiculous, they're not going to let me forget this. That's really, you know, it's like I walked a tightrope for a while there through different places. And I appreciate that. Well, you know, that's the least I could do. <laughs> so advisors are always asking me, I want to try something new and different, crazy. And usually I try to unlock my part, that part of my brain and then they don't do that. What would you suggest to somebody who says to you, I want to do something different? Well, something different. I mean, honestly, I would say kind of echo what you just said. I mean, that refrain is something you hear all the time. Mm -hmm. And the reality is like, this is the thing that we ran into, I think, especially with when we did like practice makeover together. We wanted very, very much to do something different. But you have to remember the first thing that all folks in the financial arena that are going to be doing video have to remember is that there's a certain expectation of conservatism. In other words, you have to know your audience. And for the most part, the financial industry, whether it be video or the whole thing sort of is very conservative. You can only go so far, I guess. So you can take like a concept and you can make it entertaining, but I think it's always safe to stay a little bit further from the edge than you think you want to go. I mean, I also think that if advisors want to do something crazy and new, you should get them. They shouldn't ask that question because crazy new is fine. Crazy is not, is is generally not fine. I mean, if you think that in the industry, you have a certain reputation and you want to break that by doing something a little bit out of the box, so to speak, then sure. But, you know, don't go too far, you know, like keep it. It's not, you're not going from financial video to lifestyle video. You're not, Mm -hmm. you know, making a cooking show all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. unless you want to make a cooking show all of a sudden, which could be fun, but then like, how long will that last? And then is that really, I think if we did a show called Dishing on Wealth Management, I'd be in. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, it would be, I mean, mean, okay. So that's, so so you asked the question from like, from the perspective of what I would say to it. But well, I mean, from my perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, there, of course, like that would be so much fun. But at the same time, again, it gets back to audience. Like, will this particular advisor's audience, you know, clients, new clients, peers, colleagues, would they think it's, or would they think it's cute for the first episode and then go, okay, can you please like give me the advice I'm looking for? Well, we would sit around offices and come up with ideas that we would never produce, that we would write down on boards and things like that. My favorite was- You um, always start out with something you'll get fired with first, and then you walk it back. Right. So what we came up with this idea where we were going to do a show called Eat This. Eat This. And we were going to walk around cities yes. with this really large, imposing guy we worked with who was just going to be like, nothing bad. Like no. he would just be like, hey, here's a meatball sub. Eat this. And he was, we would see how many people he can make eat whatever we decided to make them eat. Just because he was so big. I mean, six, eight, 300 pounds, you're going to eat it. He was a big fella. Yeah. He was. So Matt, 
time for the speed round here. Oh, okay. All right, here, I'm going to ask you questions. Top of mind, whatever yes. you're thinking. All right, so what is the best city that you visited, had a chance to shoot in? <sighs> the best city is Chicago. Nice. All right, favorite shoot. That Dan we got Dan Candora. Dan Candora, you already answered that question. Nice. Best advice you've ever received in your life? Ooh, don't eat that cheese. <laughs> okay. Uh, last one. One thing you wish everyone knew before the cameras rolled? How hard this is going to be. Don't take it for granted. It's not easy. And don't try to be perfect. I love it. Great advice. So Matt, you get a bonus question from bonus CJ. question. CJ, since you guys are such good friends, CJ yeah. asks, what's the most embarrassing thing my dad's done on camera? Well, again, you are really good at this. So you don't ordinarily do embarrassing things on your own because beyond that. So it, it is sometimes felt like I've had to sort of get you to do embarrassing things. <laughs> and the best way for me to do that was to change scripts in teleprompters. Oh, goodness. And I remember one time we were working on a video for some conference that was happening in San Diego. And it was going to be like something that was going to go up on a screen somewhere there to sort of like welcome guests or something on day two for the keynotes or something. And it was a perfect script. You okayed it. You loved it. We rehearsed. It was fine. And then we went to roll and I changed the script and your sign off was something along the lines of, thank you very much. This has been a great day. I hope you enjoy the keynote um, at Ackerman and San Diego. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I said it. You know why? Because I read the teleprompter. <laughs> I do what I'm told. I'm a professional. And I don't think you even noticed. I didn't. I think I probably the first time through skipped it. But then I think the camera stopped because you have a video of this. Somewhere well, because the camera was shaking with my laughter. <laughs> Anything to make me look silly. Matt, as always... Thank you so much for taking some time today. This has been a joy, a real joy. Yes, actually, Matt, it has been a really cool experience. Scary. I was talking earlier about how scary it is to be in front of a camera. It's scary to do this. These are things, although I'll end with this, that I just got in my email box today because I get enlightening quotes every day. And this one was from Eleanor Roosevelt. And she said, you must do the thing that you think you cannot do. So. Here I am doing a podcast, trying to be reasonably helpful. You are very helpful. Matt, thanks so much, buddy. Hey, for Perfectly Integrated, I'm Matt Ackerman. Have a great day. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Matt Bleistein is a freelance video producer and editor and is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners and LPL Financial.